You are listening to the Overfunctioning Leadership Podcast, learning leadership concepts through life experience. Well, welcome, friends, to another podcast brought to you by Of Leadership. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And we have a rocking episode for you today. Lots of clickbait involvement because it is titled The One Thing Every Leader Should Do. And clearly, you need to, you know, do these things that we tell you. They're very rational world, lots of check boxes, right? Yeah, nice and simple. <laughs> a very alluring picture of Misha, you know, just that you click on so you can learn how to lead dogs well. <laughs> what? This is a dog? Oh, I mean, dog pe- cast? people. People. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I was want to make sure I was listening to like a bird cast or a, no. Okay. We're not tweeting. <laughs> hey, oh. All right. So, anyways, this is an, uh, episode number forty-one. So, whose episode is this, John? Well, I'm thinking of a center that used to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mark West, and I can remember game one when they got Mark West. He was drafted from Old Dominion, oh. and he scored like twenty-five points and had thirteen rebounds. And they thought this guy's the real deal. And I think. Those may have been his career highs, and from there it was all downhill. But Mark West, number 41. <laughs> Old Dominion, aren't they the... Uh, uh, oh, no. Salukis? No, uh, I have something, no idea. I don't know. They're like gray and blue or some color. They are. That escapes me. Yeah. Zach, do you know? Old Dominion mascot? mascot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the bird. <laughs> I'll do some research while we're looking <laughs> up, because that's going to drive me crazy. Is it wrong, though, when I think about the bird, you're like... I'm thinking of the bird that you give to other people. Yeah, the the bird you fly around. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we all have two, except for some unfortunate few. Is that the one thing you should do as a leader? It's the one thing you should not do. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, I was just making don't, sure. Don't whip out the bird. It's very direct. Yes, it's too direct. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So um, anyways, I think we have a, a mascot Yes, I'm reading, uh, this is from the Old Dominion website. The official mascot is Big Blue, a friendly lion who is king of the monarchs. <laughs> Wait, who are the monarchs? Uh, I, I don't know. I, so are they the lions, the monarchs, or the Big Blue? Oh, they, I'm guessing, not like the Big Red, who is, I believe, Western Kentucky, yes? That's she was like a girl just... from my high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the monarchs, okay. old Dominion monarchs. Oh boy! Well, that was something else. Let me just tell you. So, um, <laughs> let's go to a recap of our last podcast, <laughs> which was we actually had Christy Pro sit down with us, and we talked about managing self in an anxious system. So, gentlemen, what did we talk about? I mean, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christy shared with us. You know, her role as special services director, how oftentimes when she's called into meetings, people want her to solve problems. And and in her role, she talked about managing self. Sometimes people ask you to do certain things and become too responsible. And uh, so she talked about being responsible to the group, but also not taking on too much responsibility and kind of having that line. And so it was really helpful. So I encourage our listeners to listen to that podcast. Kind of like a really good case study just to see, to look into her job and and see how that works and how it really does relate back to, I, I thought more almost on the realm of, yeah, if you were like a boss somewhere, 
you see some of that, but you're going to see more of that deep chronic anxiety in a family system more than you will sometimes at a business. So that's the way that I saw it on that. But that's just me. So, all right. So uh, we got fables. We got, we're going to answer this question. So we're all each going to have our each, our own little fable within our discussions. Yes. You got to, got to tie it in so that we know why my one thing is better than your one thing. Yeah. In my experience, such that I can prescribe it to you. <laughs> because as we all know, rigidity is best. If I can't come up with a list of things and break mm-hmm. those down into subtasks that you can implement and I can collect data points on, then it is not feasible. <laughs> and your paycheck's tied to that. Yes, and so uh, obviously Zach is being facetious here. But speaking of rigidity, uh, as we go under fables, I'm just giving you an option here, as I always do before we have fable time, you know, whether that's putting long johns on or throwing another log on the fire or you know, clearing off your mascara. I don't know, whatever you're going to do. The one option to, to increase the rigidity and the opportunity that you're going to be locked into this podcast is find your grandmother's afghan that she made you. Although John never got an afghan from his grandmother. No, but I did have a place to store afghans. You know what that's called? No. And Afghanistan. <laughs> Anyways, if you get to the side of it and just roll yourself up like a little burrito, you can't get out. And then you just be stuck listening to us. So, anyways, do that. I'm going to have to Google Afghan later. <laughs> yeah, you might. There's several different definitions, clearly. Of course. Of okay. course. Yeah. So, gentlemen, what is the one thing every leader should do? Who wants to start this stuff off? Let's go with the youngest version. Uh, that would be me. Yes, that'd be you. Um, so what is the one thing that you should do Mm -hmm. to be a great leader? Yes. Um, when I think about the one thing you should do to be a great leader, it's learn Bowen's family systems theory. But if we're talking about just like within Bowen's family systems theory, Mm -hmm. I would say that the best thing that you can do the thing that you should do is gain an understanding of how people relate and how those relationship relationships shift what i mean by that is we talk a lot about fusion we talk a lot about cutoff we talk a lot about borrowing self from one another but also differentiation making yourself distinct and um lots of different little spectrums and we all know how i love spectrums but it's just it one of the key aspects of bones family systems theory is it gives you a loose way a loose perspective to help quantify these things and then understand that there may or may not be something guiding that whether it's emotions or whether it's rational thought you know another spectrum we have there thoughts and feelings you know um and when i think about this it was amazing to me and this is this is where i get in my fable where i i tell you why it was so important to me that you should do it yourself uh my first girlfriend which is actually my current girlfriend you know i've, I've been around <laughs> but uh is her name big red <laughs> <laughs> and did she go to old dominion <laughs> she did dye her hair a, a dark brunette that had like a reddish tinge but i would never call her big red <laughs> 
<laughs> just Big Mama or something along those lines. But you could, there's a song connected to Big Red too, if you wanted to. There's you also know, a bubble red, gum. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Big Red freshness, blast right through it. Your fresh breath goes on and on while you chew it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> How old am I? Yes. Anyways. Anyway. Yes. So, um, your girlfriend went, so, so single up to this point, you know, and I'm, um, it, it's interesting cause I left for college and I came back and I noticed that my relationships with my parents were better. Um, I think for a variety of reasons, but I had become more of my own person and I had learned to be more patient with them and the things that would have triggered me before to um, act out or you know get into frustrated shouting matches or um, you know all these things I'm exaggerating but that were emotional reactions happening on a slightly smaller scale I, I had a higher threshold for that um, and then I started dating and it was amazing to me how my emotional state was tied to this other person without my conscious understanding of it. And then I start learning about Bowen's family systems theory, and it provides I'm, I'm a very frameworkical person, right? It's a word I'm coining right <laughs> frameworkable. now. Frameworkable. Yeah, frameworkable. And just having that lens of that theory to, to understand that even though I'm not involved in other people's systems and even though... Um, other people act in ways that may not be directly caused by you because of emotions happening at home, because of whatever. Just having that those empty squares to fill these generalities in, as Bowen said, you know, we have more similarities than we do differences, right? There are just these general trends that once we learn to watch out for them, they really give you this bird's eye perspective and they help you to relate to other people better because it gives you a more accurate view of who they are and why they're acting. Sure, they're acting in this way, but I wouldn't expect that in my relationship with them. And so I'm going to Try, I, I now know that, hey, normally I would have reacted to this situation, but now that's that's now that I have this framework and I understand these general trends, I'm going to start asking questions and gain perspective. And, I mean, it's just changed my life. So just so I can so you can restate it for us, this one thing this one you should thing. do is it sounds like to me you're talking about like getting up in the tree and looking down on things. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Specifically through uh, an understanding of um, triangles and relationships. Oh, triangles. So you're mm-hmm. talking about positioning yourself. Positioning, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the trees. <laughs> I like in a birdcast. Yes, I like what you said about we have more similarities and differences. Oftentimes, we focus on differences that we have with people, mm-hmm. but what you mentioned and Bowen talked about that we are more similar to to each other than we realize, and focusing on that, I think, is a really interesting thing to keep in mind. Okay, so if I position myself into an area where I can look down from the balcony from a tree some high positioning 
then how is that going to help me again? What 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 why what is that going to benefit to me, and why should I do it? I I would just say it helps you to have a better understanding of your relationship with that person, but also just of that person in general. And a way I might explain this is, um, I, I thought it was so insightful was it because I didn't feel as if I needed to know everything. You know, I was in this book study with John and we're talking about all these different concepts and how they, this Bowen's theory thing relates to resilient leadership and where we ended up was you know we can break it down in some ways the people have reactive behavior is through sabotage through gossiping through and you know you can break them all out but I didn't need to know that what I noticed is if I'm growing distant from someone or someone's growing closer to me or that's happening between any two people those are similarities those are indicators Mm -hmm. that I can use both to gain insight into myself mm-hmm. and say, in what situations am I going to John and talking about Alex? And why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Or I see John and Alex gossiping about me. Well, why are they doing that? Am I pushing them away? Am I? And it just gave me a framework to ask questions, to better understand, to better position myself, to be in a, a place where I was non-reactive and I gained insight both about myself and other people. Hmm. And not positioning yourself or looking into it to figure out how to manipulate, correct? Mm, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> and how's that responsibility going? Mm-hmm. I've only destroyed a couple of lives. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're more responsible. Let's let's walk through this for a second because I just find it interesting. Because you can look up in the tree or from the tree. Look down. You want to look up in the tree. Unless you're a cat or something. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, but as you look down, you could also frame it to where you're going to want to manipulate the system. You can say, oh, if I put this here and do this, then I can manipulate. How is that connected to responsibility then? Are, are you really allowing people to be responsible for themselves? Or are you trying to manipulate a way so that now you're more responsible for what's going on? So... I- my my answer to that question lies itself in positioning, and uh, we're talking about uh, this idea of understanding, gaining perspective. You know, having that bird's eye view. Really, what you want, come to understand is you really don't know all that much, which is just such a humbling thing. But what makes that so great and how it ties into responsibility is I realize that the person who's actually most equipped to handle your problems is you. Because you're always going to have more information about your situation than I do. It's not my fault, though. It it most certainly is not. <laughs> Let me validate you, and let's find someone to blame. Who's really at fault? Was it your mother? Yeah, that's what I've been told. It always goes back to your uh-huh. mom. Mm-hmm. Not really, mom. I love you. <laughs> okay. Well. I'm just going to say about being an observer, being up in the tree allows you to be an observer, allows you to have some distance. In chapter four of the Resilient Leadership 2.0 book. What page? Uh, page 39, give or take 10. Okay. Uh, is the cons- I was reading through that in, in uh, recently and thinking about the closer we are to something, the harder it is for us to be objective. So getting up in the tree literally allows us to, figuratively allows us, I should say, to be able to be distant from the situation that's causing us difficulty and then allows for a little bit more clear thinking, repositioning. Mm-hmm. 
kind of like those magic eye. It's like the magic eye, you know. You have to get real close to start out, and then you're back up. You know, there's a certain distance that makes it look real good, pops out to you. Kind of like those uh, bazooka bubblegum tattoos, right? Or were those comics? Which one came with the <laughs> tattoos? I don't know what you're talking about. No? No. Because no. mm. bazooka has got the comics. Yeah, it. bazooka yeah. has the comic. Oh, mm. the zebra gum. Yeah. You I, can I only chew Big Red. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would never chew Big Red. <laughs> My fresh juicy breath goes on and on while I chew it. Mm. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't chew Big Red because it has what in it? Cinnamon. Oh, man. I'm not a cinnamon guy. Just just not. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Makes my tongue all tingly. Uh, that doesn't really relate, though. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, okay, well, shall we just go in, in age order? Maybe I'll go next. Sounds great. Okay, so um, I would say that the one thing that every leader should do is work on yourself first. So... As a fixer, uh, well, I probably still am, you know. Most definitely a fixer. Yeah. Yeah. Something diehard. Wasn't uh, Michael Cohen the fixer? (laughs) Yes, yes. And he's in prison for three years. He was, yes. Um, So that's always interesting. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, So is that in in the cards possibly? I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm not going to hold on to that outcome but it's a possibility it is <laughs> so anyways anyways so working on self um something that uh i've always wanted to do in my life just i don't know from early age i had my uncles i've always looked at them as people that i've really admired and um I, perhaps if my grandfather i don't really remember my grandfather but i just remember admiring them a lot and thinking Man, I'd really want to be like them one day. I really want to be like a pillar of strength for my family. I really want to be that. And so, but the journey to get there <laughs> has not been uh, one that's been very easy. I I wouldn't say that I haven't been strength for uh, my family. And um, some of you know my backstory of my sister passing away and also uh, another sister who was adopted. And it's just really hard, some really hard things that are in there. Um, and I wouldn't say that I, I wasn't able to help my family, but as a fixer, it was like, if I can shape this the right way for other people, then it's going to make them be okay. Um, which inevitably left me being bereft of what I needed for myself. Um, not that I was totally dilapidated from these things, but what ended up happening is that the that pillar, that stake that I wanted to build for myself was lost in that because as I went around fix things, I wasn't focusing on what I needed for myself and focusing on what other people needed. And just like Christy Pro said in our last podcast, I kind of lost myself. And so what I've noticed in the last, geez, four years, um, and I know John... You know, we've been friends for a long time now, um, but John more because not more as a friend. <laughs> oh, we're really just I'm going. I sense, is, I sense a triangle. Yes, we're really not. That was a bad move. I apologize. I always knew you two were close. <laughs> okay, outsider. It's, yeah. 
Shush it. So, so then, um, so, but like I would, you know, I've shared some different things and I've shared some different things with Zach, but especially like, I would say like four years ago, I was really muddled up with a lot of different anxieties that Zach wasn't as privy to. I know you really wanted to hear all of my stuff. Mm-hmm. I would never was able to find your diary while I was rummaging around your house in <laughs> high school. I was too busy filling up cups with water, Dixie cups with water and laying them over your floor or putting trash on your front porch. Somehow br- pranking me. So, so through that time though, I was really just lost and not know who, who I was. And so the more that I've either went through Bowen family system series, which I think has really helped me out a lot. Um, but also seeing different, healthcare, mental healthcare people has really settled me into more of a solid self because I decided to work on myself, which as we said in the last podcast, as I actually said was the most important person for as a leader is you working on yourself, your health, whether that's physical or mental. And in this case, we're talking mental and is as everybody probably knows, all the anxieties really affect a lot of your physical, you know, things. Um, unless you like don't, you know, watch where you're stepping and twist your ankle or something, um, which is, I've done several times. Um, but working on yourself can really um, help those things um, settle out as far as the physical ailments. That's that's here nor there. Um, but that defining of self can really make an impact on lowering your anxiety, giving you there's, there's three things when it comes to a leader, it's going to be being calm. It can really calm you. It can really make things more clear for you and make things more convicted. So for me, I've always felt convicted. I've always felt I've had a strong conviction about the the same mission that I've shared before. I, I've always had that mission, but the clarity and the calmness kind of got all muddled up sometimes because I didn't, I didn't have a solid self. So now as I build my more of a solid self, I'm, I'm feeling more calm and more con, you know, clear with what I'm trying to say. And so, um, that's, I would say for me, and if anybody wants to become a more self differentiated leader, this is what you should do is to work on yourself. Now, I see John, you, you looking at me like, Hmm, what yeah. does self differentiated mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I, what are steps? How, what does it mean? And then a question is for a listener might be saying, okay, working on self, that sounds like something I should do. Mm-hmm. What's the first step? So maybe you could define self differentiation of, which is one of Bowen's concepts. Yeah. And then how do I, how do I, what's a first step maybe? So with self-differentiation, it comes down to a lot of different pieces, I would say. But of the three things that I talked about, calm, clear, and convicted, all of those three things step into a form of what it means to be self-differentiated. A self-differentiated person is is calm, and they know how to regulate themselves to get them to a place where they can be calm in an anxious system. Somebody who is clear with their with what number one, what they're trying to say, but also what, what they're responsible for and what other people are responsible for. And then convictions, this is what I stand for and this is what I believe in. And I'm not going to um, give that up because this is part of who I am. And nor am I going to necessarily push that upon you. I'm going to allow you to live the way that you are living and be open 
um, with with my relationships. And so some of that also travels into the realm of Roberta Gilbert's work about being um, separate, equal, and open. I did it in the right order. So that's that's part of that too. And so we've talked about that within extra, extraordinary relationships. So when it comes to being more of a self-differentiated person, it's this calmness, it's this um, responsibility of self and um, being more of a solid self as well. So um, that's where it's looking at. So then your second question was about working on self and what is something I can do for that. So um, it depends. And so uh, I was actually reading through, I believe it was Wayne Regina's book on applying mediation um, well, applying Bowen family systems theory to mediation. And so he mentioned about three different things about, um, how to grow yourself as a leader. How do you work on self? What does that mean? That's kind of this question. So one there, let, let's go on in a couple of different ways. Non-growing self, um, happens when you are overwhelmed by challenges and actually can learn, uh, can lead to permanent regression. So you're always overwhelmed by these challenges and can lead to permanent regression. So that's one state of not growing yourself mm-hmm. and just allowing that to continually, there's a word actually used here, it's called erosion. And so when you get caught up in that chronic anxiety that we've talked about before, and it starts eroding away really who you are. And so, um, and this is my guess, and I don't know, gentlemen, but my guess is when we, we start seeing people who, uh, that we know and we love, including ourselves, when you, when we have some sort of bend that we always go to, um, or people having major psychological issues, my guess is there's some been some sort of erosion in their self that needs to be built back up. And sometimes if it's permanent though, that can be very difficult. So, uh, here nor there, just kind of a thought. Um, so then two other ways to actually grow yourself. Now the question you actually asked, (laughs) Um, life circumstances. So as I already mentioned, my sister passing away and my other sister being adopted, being really hard. So those life circumstances, I had to adapt to those things. They happened in my life. And so I had to do something about it. Okay. So mm-hmm. relying on that though, it can be very difficult. Um, cause I've known some people who have not had such shocking major things happen in their life. So relying on those different things, nor do we want to be like, Oh, you know, we don't want people to pass away. That's going to be difficult. Um, so the one that is going to be the best, which I've stated again, is working on self. So what does that mean? Um, if you are in a situation of like surf life circumstances that are really beating you up, seeing a mental health person probably is going to be a good idea. Um, another way that we have all benefited here is not only looking through this theory in which you actually wrote on here, knowing theory really helps you understand a lot of these things, but coaching one another and being able to sit down with somebody who's going to ask you a lot of questions, be very curious and allow you to just be who you are to figure it out yourself, I think is so huge you know, a lot of times, and I've been caught in this and we all have, where you just like to give advice to people because you don't have to deal with what they're saying, Mm -hmm. or it's actually, it gives you a little shot of dopamine and you Mm -hmm. feel good. 
But finding somebody, which is difficult, I realize, and that's why maybe you need to go see somebody also who's a mental health field, which is can be really helpful. Some Finding those people in your life who are going to be able to ask you questions and just let you flow out that direction mm-hmm. are, have been very beneficial to me. Um, and those are a couple of steps that I think right off the bat. But the first step, which Zach already mentioned too, is getting up on that tree, looking and saying, man, I don't have everything together. I really need to humble myself in a way that maybe I do need to work on myself. And maybe I do have like some sort of play in the system, um, which for me gives me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. I always think that, man, if I could put myself in a position where I have really have worked on myself, then that means things can get better. Like things aren't going to be as they always are or the tradition or the ritual or the thing that's always been the same. Or I hear people say, um, it is what it is. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be. It is what it is. My, my children, when I have children, hopefully one day when I have children, they won't have to do, if I work on this stuff now, my kids don't have to deal with this anymore. You know, there's certain things that they won't have to deal with if I can work on it with myself potentially. Mm -hmm. So that gives me a lot of hope. Um, for now and for the future. So that was a lot of, I'm a verbal analyzer. So thanks for allowing me to chat. So Mm -hmm. that's where I was. That's where I'm at with that. I mean, your answer was significantly better than mine. My one (laughs) thing got me one thing, but your one thing gets you three things, which in turn gets you three things. And one of those things is my thing. So like, Oh man, <laughs> this is a great podcast. If you're listening in, you're getting a lot. You are. This is a yeah. This is a one heck of a s- sandwich. Um. So, well, what is the other thing, or one of the things yeah, that you could do, John? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just thinking through the two things that you guys said, and I'm, I'm going to bring it together with a story from my junior high years. So I was sitting in class. It was a I don't know, that was run by the guidance counselor. Miss Reed was her name. And she was um, a very smiley person. And I remember her saying, I want to talk to you today about getting bullied in the hallway. Have you ever been bullied in the hallway? So here's something to consider. The next time somebody bumps you into the hallway, and bumps you in the hallway, and you think they did it on purpose, you should say this. Pardon me, but were you in my way? And then she just gave us this smile. And I remember thinking, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> but I tried it. And somebody bumped me in the hallway and I looked at them. And I even tried to smile like Miss Reed did and said, Excuse me, but were you in my way? And they pushed me down. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought this was a pretty crummy idea. But almost intuitively, as as I think about that story, it was do something different. Do mm. something different. So I think the, the notion of doing something different and making it informed doing something different, I think can really make a difference. And so I took that idea of doing something different and I and I actually used it in a more challenging situation. So I think later that year I was outside of the school gymnasium. I don't know if my dad listens to this podcast or not, but hopefully he doesn't listen to this part of the story. <laughs> but, um, anyways, uh, I was outside with my friend Tom, and 
it was in the evening and we saw Sam, the janitor, he was down the hallway. And, um, for some reason I pounded on the glass of the, the, the window of the school to get his attention. And he looked at us and I, I mooned Sam, the janitor. I don't know why I did. I wasn't, wasn't premeditated mooning at all. It was more <laughs> impulsive mooning. And we laughed and ran away. And then I was sitting in class the next day. It was English class. We had read the book To Kill a Mockingbird, and I had read some of it, but not all of it. So we were watching the movie, which helps to cover a multitude of sins of not reading. And I was I was sitting in class, and, and a pink slip came for me from the, the principal. Mr. Murphy was his name, and that always meant bad things. So I walked down the, the hallway to the office, and, and I heard Mr. Murphy's voice kind of loud in the office, muffled but loud. And... I was sitting in the outer office wondering, why am I here and what's the yelling about? And my friend Tom walked out of the office and he looked at me and all he said to me was, he mouthed the words, you're dead. (laughs) And I didn't know why he said that. And so Mr. Murphy summoned me in and emotional process is part of Bowen theory, which is internal. It can be internal and it's the mixing of feeling and thinking. And so when you're anxious, you have a hard time thinking. So I was really muddled and he, he, he told me to sit down and I suddenly remembered Miss Reed saying essentially do something different. And she told a different technique. This one was with authority. And she said, whenever you're summoned to an office of some kind, there's a power play in place. And she said, there's the, the principal maybe and, and you and a desk and somehow you have to get that desk out of the way. So if you can come alongside <laughs> the administrator, now you're more of a team. And so instead of sitting down, I leaned against the register and kind of sideways next to his desk. So I was directly to his left and he was doing some paperwork and he, he looked up at the chair and noticed it was empty. <laughs> and then he looked sideways and saw me leaning against the register in very casual sense. I was just trying to like lower the anxiety in the system. And he screamed at me to sit down in the chair. <laughs> so Miss Reed is O for two in this <laughs> advice. And uh, anyways, he, he, he asked me why he said to me, you know why you're here, don't you? And I had no idea. I wasn't thinking clearly. Um, I said, no. And then he said, I hate people who lie. And I didn't know what to say to that. I was thinking, I guess I do too. But I, I said, I, I, I didn't know what to say. He said, let me refresh your memory. He said, last night. I didn't remember last night. I, I They all blur together. And <laughs> He said, outside the school, and now things are starting to become a little clearer. And he said, Sam, the janitor. I'm like, oh, yes, that's right. He said, you moon, Sam, the janitor. I'm like, yeah. He said, do you know how I knew this? I'm thinking, Sam probably told you. He said, Sam actually didn't tell me. The school board was actually meeting in the library, and they were they were being dismissed at the same time and a school board member who knows you knows your family saw you moon the janitor and he called me this morning I'm like oh that's why Tom said you're dead <laughs> he said Mr. Moore we can handle this one of two ways we can either call the police yeah let's choose that option 
Uh, so I was ready for option two, whatever it was. He said, or we can take care of this with a paddling. This was back when you could paddle kids. And I got a couple swats. I think I told my dad that story when I was in my 20s at Thanksgiving dinner. Anyways, so my concept is among the theory of doing something different. And it doesn't always seem to work out like right away. And Miss Reed's example wasn't great. But I think if you understand the theory, and I wrote no theory, and reposition yourself or... I want to focus on self and we've talked in here about servant leadership and this focus on serving others, but there's also an aspect of doing something a little different and really working on myself. And so if I can know theory and do something a little different than I did before, I think it can make a big difference for leaders. So my one intractable thing to do that you must do as a leader is do something different and make that something informed based in Bowen theory. And I think it can be really helpful. Plus I told two great stories. So those were fun. (laughs) One big, great story. Well, I think there's something inherently with doing something different though, that encapsulates like this curiosity Mm -hmm. and this adventurism in some ways of, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to try something different Mm because the way I've been doing it for a long time really Mm -hmm. hasn't been working Mm -hmm. out. And I think in the teaching profession, you know, Alex, you and I have talked about our own teaching. May I say pedagogy? Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Let's strike that from the show notes. But is being curious and trying something different and, you know, as far as teaching goes and, and thinking through that in a creative way versus just stuck of this is the way we do things. I don't know in computer science work if you can do things differently, computer programming. What do you do again? Well, uh, <laughs> fundamentally, you know, there's this difference between object-oriented programming. Oh, boy. And, you know, you can you can do it straight through A to B, or you can make objects, and those should be uh, reusable. And, you know, it, it's just like this idea that, you know, you can do it differently, <laughs> and I might do it, and I will do it better than you can, but maybe if you had started 20 years ago, we could both do it differently, but just as well. I have literally no idea what he just said. Um, and I, uh, but I did notice he said, you know, a lot. So he wanted you to know. <laughs> he wanted you to believe that you knew what he was saying. So that way it was more believable for you. I'm just, I'm just astounded right now. <laughs> And I, I want you to know I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just I'm 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 on your team, pal. You know the you know the phrase, if you know theory, you can abuse it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that what the phrase goes? Yeah, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought it was those who can do and those who can't teach. I've heard that phrase before. Is mm-hmm. is that and, I, and I've heard teachers who get really upset by that. I just smile at that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna let somebody define myself. <laughs> So it sounds like, John, it sounds like to me through this whole thing, and this was kind of your idea for this podcast, which is so wonderful. So really we're just looking at we have three different things Mm -hmm. to add to the toolbox. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Toolkit, I prefer. Toolkit. (laughs) Toolkit. (laughs) Why I wear my tool belt. I don't know exactly how or what instruments these would be, but they seem to be awful ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I only bring that up because John really appreciates the toolkit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
If only we had an acronym to sum this up for you. <laughs> oh, it'd be awful. So, Zach, you should... You should position yourself through Bones, Family Systems Theory, and an understanding of triangles and relationships. Mm-hmm. You should position yourself to gain greater understanding. Get up in the tree. Get up in the tree, look down. See what's going on. Because as you were talking about, with erosion, there's lots of big waves. You got to get up. Climb those trees. (laughs) Right? I like the, you know, I think you're kind of joking about the metaphor of beginning down. But it kind of like, I bet you could skew that in a way that would make a lot of sense. So like down on the, down on the level where you're not seeing everything, the whole system going on, it's easier to be eroded away from it. You just get buffeted. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you're just getting crushed by the waves. Oh gosh. I don't. So Alex, <laughs> your one thing is. So, uh, the one thing for me is working on self. Uh, it helps you establish more of a solid self, and so that way, within whatever system you're in, you can maintain to have more of a positive influence by being more calm, clear and convicted through that. Um, That has to do with self-differentiation as well. If you want to know more about self-differentiation, Bowen has talked a a lot about it it throughout his books. It's actually a spectrum. Um, The higher end of the spectrum is like 100, which nobody ever is. It's actually imaginary. Yes, imaginary. So, And then like really self-differentiated people are like 60 to 70. Um, So anyway, so don't beat yourself up. That's like a... That's like a D. And we even have some uh, podcasts about this topic, too, that you can uh, go back and check out. It's like the ones labeled self-differentiation. Yeah. And then I think the next one is how to be self-differentiated. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like an instruction manual, but with light bits of humor. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more things you just add to that toolkit. Yeah. And so, uh, John, you want to wrap this up for us with your one thing? Yeah, I thought talked about doing something different and tr- using theory to inform doing something different. So when I think about, you know, just to kind of sum up, we have the reposition, uh, working on self helps to avoid erosion, and then doing something different. So R-E-D, this is the Big Red Podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. That was, I, I, you know, I saw you jotting things down. I knew it somehow going to get back to Big Red. I was searching for an acronym. Yeah, especially for Big Red. It was Big just, Red. It just all came together uh-huh. at the That's last the, moment. It's the focal point of this triangle right now. Was, I've been thinking a lot about Big Red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we are not endorsed by Big Red, but we could be. If you're listening, executive from Big Red, obviously... <laughs> I mean, Zach really loves cinnamon gum. Wrigley, just support us. Send us free gum. <laughs> we will work for gum. Anyways, okay, so um, I believe that's going to wrap us up, right, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can get us on uh, Simplecast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook. Uh, YouTubes. The YouTubes. We even have an email. It's theofpodcast at gmail.com. And we would really love for you to send, and really any questions, any ideas, or anything that we are always willing to um, talk about. We'd love to have feedback. So um, also, if you would like to, this is kind of gutsy here, if you want to go ahead and rate us on Mm -hmm. anything, 
We had one person on iTunes who rated us very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice, whoever you are. Let's start some holiday traditions, you know, as the holiday season has just passed and you're set, settling back into your life. Just remember, like, give back. <laughs> And we're on Tinder, so remember, swipe right. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a picture of an elephant. Um, I will say this, though. If you're going to rate us, I I believe somehow you need to have some pros connected to it. So no just straight ratings. I want to see like a sentence written down, too. The more ridiculous, the more more different, the better. Now it just feels like homework. (laughs) Well, you got two teachers here, so, you know, suck it up. And one dance. Uh huh. So, uh, I believe, oh, well, wait a second. Jesse Huff Settler, thank you for making the sick beats. And with that, I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And we will catch you next time. Adios. See you around.